broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 153. I'm I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook, and we come to you on a very rainy February day. Well, it's rainy for us anyway. Need an arc. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that a reference to an upcoming movie? Sure. Yeah, yep. hey, we're hip, we're with it. <laughs> you know who else is hip and with it? Our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Also, smooth. our lovely hosts at 4814. You guys want the uh, best site you can get set up? Check out the guys from 4814. They're there for you. They'll make sure your site stays up and running. They'll help you out. They have really awesome competitive pricing for hosts. We rely on them. We trust them with our site, and you should too. That's uh, 48-14.com. And uh, while you're... 24-7. Yeah, better than 24. They're twice as good as 24-7. That's how hard they work. Uh, and uh, while you're at our site, be sure to check that uh, top banner. Take you to Eagle Moss Limited for uh, a killer deal on some awesome uh, figurines and miniatures. These are the guys that do the awesome DC chess sets. They do Doctor Who stuff. The particular offer they have set up with us is for Star Trek miniatures, but you can follow their links to any of their stuff. And these guys make some pretty awesome things, so uh, definitely check it out. Make sure you go to them from our site, though, because we're awesome like that, and you, you want to support us. Yes, give us some link love. That sounded dirty. That sounds so wrong. I mean, if Zelda didn't, why should we? Oh. oh, and of course, I bring us down into the depths, and you just kind of keep us there. <laughs> it's what we do. We all have our talents. <laughs> okay, well, I, I want to say a uh, shout back to uh, the whole Noah thing, you know, with the raining and the ark and whatnot. So Russell Crowe has this movie, Noah, coming out, right? I'm not a huge Russell Crowe fan, but I tell you what, if he has the line, what's a cubit, if he says that even once... I'm buying tickets. I'm to see gonna it. lose it. I will lose it. What's a cubit? Oh, I will. Th- For those of you who don't know, that's from Bill Cosby's "Know a Bit" um, classic. If you don't know it, what's wrong with you? Um, find out and know it. But know it. Uh-huh. <laughs> see what I did uh-huh. there. Hey, uh, we got feedback this week. Uh, First feedback comes to us courtesy of Sam. Sam writes, hey, it's me, Sam again, here to ask a question. And he gives me a link. It's to uh, My Fox Boston, where they're doing a news report warning people to upgrade to the newest version of iOS. If you have an iDevice, uh, iPhone, iPad, iPad mini, um, to upgrade to the latest version of iOS immediately because there is a chance that if you are connecting to an unsecured wireless network your device is vulnerable and he asks on a scale of one to ten how much of a no duh do you guys get from this warning because from what i understand of the internet no open networks are safe and specifically targeting apple just for this fact seems i don't know weird are you curious uh thanks for the feedback sam yes and no you're right if you're connecting to an open wireless network duh Bad stuff is going to happen. That's just the way it is. Okay. Uh, But what this news report is specifically talking about is Apple's go-to fail error that uh, came to light 
this last week. And we'll talk more about that later in the show. It's actually one of our headlines. Yes, you're right. It's kind of a no-duh. At the same time, they're not unfairly targeting Apple. Apple had a major security screw-up come to light. And it's been in all iDevices for at least a year now. So... And I do want to add also, whenever whenever there's a new operating system that comes out and you're on an older operating system, um, for security reasons, it's a good idea to update. Because as we see coming up in the next week or so, Windows XP is going to not be supported anymore. And if you're on Windows XP, um, you're that much more vulnerable to security risks. So um, it's always a good idea to update to a newer operating system if you are behind. And in terms of a no-duh story, whenever I'm listening to the news and they do a story regarding tech, I almost always say no-duh. Yeah. They bring it down to, like, below the lowest common denominator. It's like they find the dumbest person they can and then find somebody that's dumber and pretend that the story is just exclusively for that person. And well, it drives me absolutely insane. My favorite is that they then, let's see what people on Twitter have to say. Why the crap would I care what people on Twitter have to say about this tech issue? Like they yeah, know. Let's go to Facebook. Bob from Salt Lake City says, I think this is great. So what, Bob? I don't care. Schmitty from from Utah says, I need reinforcements for my castle. That's a real interesting <laughs> bit of feedback. Okay, um, and Jimmy, Polar Bear Jimmy, writes us. He says, uh, here's my feedback from the last uh, episode. Of course, Zoner isn't on the no-fly list. That'd be too obvious. Instead, he was given a warning case of Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got better, uh, though. It was deliberate. Uh, he also writes, Zook almost made me crash my car. Uh, there's a very subtle difference between Google hosting free SQL Server, a Microsoft product, and hosting a free SQL Server, which could be any database which is ex- accessed via SQL statements, i.e. MySQL, Oracle, PostgreSQL. Um, he doesn't list it, but there's also uh, Pervasive SQL as well. Uh, and his last point is, if you can use VMware on a Chromebook to access your Windows programs, does this finally make Ubuntu a viable option? And since you guys mentioned it, could I get VMware on my Ubuntu phone so it can take calls and do phone-like things? Uh, sincerely, Polar Bear Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, I think you're insinuating that the Ubuntu phone can't do anything. To which I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> What, what, I, what was the command line to answer the phone? I can't remember. I can just see some Ubuntu hipster. And I, I, I sound like I really disdain people who use Ubuntu. And I don't want you to think that because it's not really true. I, I've used it a few times myself, and that's fine. Disdain is such a weak word. For <laughs> no, no, that's not true. But you Ubuntu fans know they're out there, okay? Even if you're not one you know there is a subculture of Ubuntu users who are like this, where they would take the phone and find some way to execute a shell script to open up a remote tunnel to another machine so the call can actually be routed to the other machine before being transferred into your phone. One, because it sounds cooler. And two, because you're bored or something. And three, because they can. Yeah, exactly. Um as for the VMware on Chromebook, we still haven't heard any word on exactly what that means. Is that VMware to a local machine for you or VMware a VMware session to one of Google's or VMware's open sessions if it's their desktop? And if so, that'd be up to them to have an Ubuntu environment for you to connect to. But I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility, right? Right. Because VMware runs on Linux just fine. Yep. So... 
And I do apologize. Last week when I brought up the uh, the headline where Google is now hosting SQL instances, I didn't say SQL Server. I don't think I did. But I didn't clarify either that it wasn't Microsoft SQL Server. We should probably go the tape and review that. Yeah. <laughs> Though that would be hilarious. It'd be like Google saying, we're hosting a cloud version of Microsoft Office. The icon <laughs> for Azure it. Instances. <laughs> <laughs> the, the icon for it looks like a big middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> I so, just realized we don't have tape to review. So. Exactly. Oh, thank you for the feedback, guys. If you want to give feedback, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. That's 801-917-4335. Into our headlines for this week. So something happened at the very beginning of the week that seemed to get the entire Internet up in a huff. And I'll admit that I jumped on board the wrong side of this before Schmitty brought up an interesting counterpoint, and we'll, we'll get into that here. But Netflix decided to bail out Comcast in a way, in a sense, where Netflix fixed some of their streaming problems. Now, I'm saying it the way that it was initially presented by many people in the media. Some backstory here. Netflix was having some major throttling issues with Comcast. They just couldn't get content to it fast enough. And Comcast was aware of the issue, but didn't want to fix it. So Netflix foot, footed the bill to create a direct connection from their servers straight into Comcast. People started bemoaning the loss of net neutrality. Oh my gosh, Comcast made Netflix do this. Comcast is big, mean, they're really evil people. And that may be true. But as Schmitty pointed out, that isn't entirely accurate as to what happened here. Yeah, so so what's going on is they Netflix, just just like uh, just like all the other content providers out there, have to pay for someone to transmit their data. They usually go through people like L3. Um, that's the only one I can think of right now. I can't remember the name of the others. Um, but so so they're going through those uh, transit providers, and then that goes through the ISP that you eventually get to. But um, in this deal, they're they're simply just cutting out the middleman. And they're actually saving money for one for one for one part of it. So, um, well, yeah, and I think where people are thinking that this isn't the death of net neutrality is because they thought that Comcast was throttling Netflix. When in truth, it's just that Netflix has so much data and so many subscribers that it was those intermediaries that couldn't handle Netflix's transmissions. It wasn't being throttled by Comcast. Comcast was getting a throttled connection from Netflix because Netflix couldn't give the data fast enough. Right. So by cutting out these middlemen, Netflix now has a direct pipe straight into Comcast. Yeah. So essentially the internet network that like when I say the internet, I'm not talking about the World Wide Web, but the internet, the series of tubes was not big enough for Netflix's data to go to Comcast. Is that, is that right. the gist of this? Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. I just want to it'd say be like saying if, Yeah. It'd be <laughs> like if, if I was Netflix and you wanted to get the Stolen Droids podcast on Netflix, well, if everyone's uploading from me, then really how fast you can get the show is dependent upon my ISP because I'm not the internet. Uh, well, that means that not many people could get the show. By creating this direct connection, it makes it much better for the end user. Now, 
Whether or not this uh, will be required for other ISPs, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. It probably will not. Uh, most ISPs do not have the capability that Comcast has to to uh, provide transit like this from content delivery networks. Uh, the only reason this deal went down is because they have that capability. It's because they already do that for uh, their Xfinity providers. So this is just adding on another provider onto their onto their delivery system, um, which which also brings up a good point. A lot of people thought that this deal would add more cost to Netflix users or Comcast users. That is far from the case. Netflix is actually saving money on this. They're actually all all the bandwidth that they would have um used um to pay L3 or some of the other companies to get this to those Comcast users. Now instead they're paying Comcast and it's actually cheaper for them. So if anything they could lower the bill for the users. They're probably not going to but the bill's not going to go up. That's and uh, unfortunately, uh, the way media, uh, local media is blowing this out of proportion, not a lot of people are going to understand that. You're going to have people boycotting Netflix and or Comcast if they can. Um, but it's unfortunate that the media got it wrong and and so quick out of the gate and could no one could correct them on it. Okay, just a couple things here. Is anybody really surprised that the media no. got it wrong? The media gets everything wrong. I, I, okay. Uh, no, I, I, I was kind of surprised to what degree so many tech outlets got it wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. This wasn't just local media. This was um, a lot of big-name tech outlets. Uh, I, w- I won't name names because a lot of them probably have tried to correct it since then. But yeah. I think we're – I think – for one thing, we're biased against Comcast because let's face it, Comcast <laughs> is the evil empire. Um, we're biased against monopolies and net neutrality. Those are the big, right. big buzzwords we're hearing. So about. I think, yeah, I think this is more of a knee-jerk reaction by a lot of them. But go ahead. Uh, second point: Comcast just merged with Time Warner. So bringing up the monopoly point, uh, this and going back to your point on boycotting Schmitty, if that's a lot of potential boycotters. Yeah. That, I mean, they got a huge, huge customer base now. And then the third thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys, in the big picture with the other buzzword, buzzword net neutrality, what do you think this is? Is this going to even have Im- any impact on net neutrality with the big IPs signing these types of deals with content providers? Is that is net neutrality done? Are we seeing the beginnings of the end? No, well, it, the deal itself does not affect net neutrality. Unfortunately, the way the media is blowing this out of proportion, this might affect the signers, uh, you know, the, the politicians and stuff that have the actual say about what net neutrality is going to be or is not going to be. Um, so unless unless we, um, as as a tech media outlet, correct a lot of these people and, and get the truth out there, people aren't going to... I mean, this will eventually affect us in in the long run. That when the deal itself isn't a bad thing. So uh, this is going to get a lot of people fighting about something that doesn't really need to be fought about, and inadvertently taking focus from what does need to be fought about. Exactly. You know, uh, and there was a really interesting article. I actually linked you guys to it this morning by Ed Bot over at ZDNet about ten things that tech journalists <laughs> say that are completely stupid. Uh, in particular, about Microsoft in that article. But, you know, the tech industry isn't without faults or biases. And when the problem is when we get it wrong, 
Yes, I'm including us in the tech industry. But when we get it wrong, we have the potential to really um, shape the opinion of what a lot of other people are thinking. And if we get caught up on the wrong things, then so does everyone else. Yeah. yeah but if we get caught up on the wrong things, it's generally about a year and a half before everyone else in the <laughs> tech world gets caught up on the wrong thing. Because that's kind of how far ahead of the curve. Yeah. Go fig on that one. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Toot our own horn. <laughs> totally not what I heard, but okay. Um, <laughs> I heard something about a $2 blank. Um, I, I switched up the uh, headlines here a lot because we have a lot of Mobile World Conference news, but I want to get to the other headlines first. And the next one is is about what Sam was talking about, Apple's go-to-fail. I think you meant Mobile World Congress, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I meant conference. Okay. There's no statesman at this Mobile World thing. But it, no laws are made. <laughs> but it's not called Mobile World Conference. That's that's why. There's probably a lot of bribes still going on and law. And I heard but. Apple World. I don't know what the heck show I'm listening to. <laughs> it's the flag. Darn rain. <laughs> Apple World. Yeah, let's go get some Fujis. <laughs> I love me a gala. <laughs> I'm a Brayburn guy. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> Anyway. Mountain. anyway, so Apple uh, had a bit of a egg on its face this week when a particular bug came to light, and it was an embarrassing bug. But really what it was was someone in the coding department added the wrong line of code twice. It was the right line of code, but by entering it twice, it became the wrong line of code once. <laughs> I won't get into the technical details. We have the link for it in the show notes if you're a coder and you want to follow it. Too long didn't read version of it. One line of code basically negated everything by having too many go-to fails. Uh, and in fact, there is an argument about against, against the using the go-to command in the first place because it makes it so easy to do this. What this bug did for you and me, for those of us who aren't coders, was that if you were connecting to an SSL or a TLS uh, connection, or basically a secure web connection, and if at any point it didn't successfully authenticate, it pretended it did anyway and just went ahead and transmitted. Give you a false positive. Yeah. Uh, this was introduced in iOS 6, they say, and Mac OS X. Well, even more embarrassing than the problem itself and what it means for people's securities uh, is how Apple decided to fix it. Now, we've covered this before. Apple does not have a good security team. Uh, I'm not saying I could do much better, but then again, I'm not a multinational corporation. When you consider that Microsoft has an in-house department that almost rivals the size of Apple that's just for security... It makes a bit more sense why Apple's so bad about responding to these these bugs. Do you guys remember that uh, horrible virus that hit Apple? I want to say almost the a one year that ago. Didn't exist. That, right, <laughs> that they wouldn't even say existed, um, and they shut you down if you tried to go to the media about it. Well, this time they decided to announce that yes, there is this bug and we are fixing it. Oh, and here's a fix. The problem was, is that they said that before they rolled the fix. Wow. Thereby announcing what this vulnerability was. And then when they rolled the fix, they only rolled it out for iOS, not Mac OS X. So the vulnerability is still there. I think they've patched it now. <laughs> but um, not real smart there, guys. 
I thought you were going to say that in order to fix it, go to this website, and it takes you to a a, a secure website. <laughs> what this is this is bigger egg on their face than a simple gaff like that, though. And the reason, or gaffar, or however you pronounce it, and the reason that is is because for a long time. Apple has been trying to position iOS as a good alternative to BlackBerry and to, you know, secure mail servers. Look, we have this baked-in security. We're so secure that the government has started using us. People can use iPhones in corporate environments. Isn't that great? When you're giving a false oh. positive on your security, though, I mean, you can be the most secure thing in the world because everything is oh, going to sure. be secure. But it doesn't matter if in the back end it's all just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So, um, oops. <laughs> I'm embarrassed not only for Apple, but for us to have learned about this. I, their embarrassment hurts me. I'm embarrassed for their embarrassment. That's it deep, is. man. That's real it deep. Is. Actually, I really think Apple kind of deserves this. I'm trying to figure out how this made it through QA. Which is why because, I think Apple deserves this. But this go-to fail error... That's something I would do when I'm coding. I'm horrible at coding. Yeah, it, and it's also something that would get caught pretty quickly in QA. It's it's not an easy fail to make. <laughs> no pun intended, but... It basically is saying, why is this working this way? Oh, that's why. Okay, let's fix that. Yeah. There you go. Just delete it out. The entire thing's fixed. No, this got pushed right through production and stayed there for over a year. Yeah. So... Uh, Sam, if you're listening, that's why that particular announcement actually held some water. And it was because your iPhone may say, okay, I'm connecting to an unsecured network, but I have a secure SSL connection to wherever it is you're going. But it was lying. It didn't. Or it may have. You never know. Because it was saying it did either way. And that's why they're saying to upgrade to the latest OS, because the latest OS patch fixes this. So, speaking yay. speaking of that, it's not in our show notes, but I saw something today. I guess Apple uh, has ended support for one of their operating systems, and they didn't tell anybody that they were. It was like, just, we're done, and there was like no big huzzah. That's the wrong their, word. but their, their Power Mac OS? I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> I, I just saw something, but I thought, you know, that, that really kind of sucks for those people, because now there's a whole lot of people. Well, I think, I think part of yeah, might have been might leopard. Be. I think part of that is though is because it's a whole PR thing. You know, everyone likes to give Microsoft crap because they're ending support for their biggest OS ever, Microsoft yeah. Windows XP. Yeah. And so it's really easy to make fun of them and point fingers saying, "Hey, look at them. They're not even supporting you anymore. We'll support you." Uh, but the fact of the matter is you can't. You can't support it forever. No, you can't. You really can't. And I, I just think it's kind of funny. You brought the double standard that you just brought up is exactly how it is. It, it drives me insane. All we've heard about for years is how Microsoft is ending support for XP. Apple does it. Nobody bats an eye. Apple has to do it. Everyone has to do yeah. it. Yeah. It's how the tech world works. So, by the way, if we haven't brought it up enough, upgrade from Windows XP. Do it this weekend. Seriously. <laughs> it's not it's not funny anymore. Just go to Windows 8, man. Point one. But it's it is all funny. <laughs> It'll be funny in a few months when you can't use your computer anymore to listen to our podcast. No, it won't. We'll miss it you. Won't. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing funny about that. Uh, hey, speaking of there's nothing funny about it, 
Ooh, good segue. Yes, that was. NBC has decided they don't have a clue what to give you, so they're going to give you more heroes. Save the cheerleader. Yeah. I don't mean, like, any heroes. I mean those heroes. Uh, Heroes. They're going to create a 13-episode miniseries, which, in my mind, isn't a miniseries. That's just a That's season. A, That's a season. short season. Yeah. Uh, called Heroes Reborn. And it makes cry on the inside and a little bit on the outside. Because Heroes... Uh, is there a show in recent memory that had so much promise after the first season and just failed to deliver on that as hard as Heroes did? Lost? No, Lost was no, not as Lost was a, oh, okay. and Lost isn't recent either. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Heroes may I, be the only one. The first did. season of Heroes was so amazing, and then the second mm-hmm. season was not as good. It wasn't as bad as the third season. How many seasons did they do? I gave up in the third. They had so many plot holes, I couldn't keep up with it. I, I gave up in the third, I think, too. I think they had three and a half. And it just it just made me angry every week when I would sit down and watch. And then the show creator goes out and calls people, like, swears at them and stuff if they don't like what he's doing. And I, You know what's really funny is Heroes is being uh, rebroadcast now. I think it's in syndication on uh, Sci-Fi and on another channel as well. Sorry, uh, the Esquire Network. It's not Sci-Fi. <laughs> um, but it's not good. <laughs> Because they're rebroadcasting, they're rerunning them, and they're in season one still. And every once in a while, I'll flip across and go, oh, yeah, I remember this episode. Wow, this kind of sucks. It's yeah. like when you realize what's happening, when you've seen it before, and you can you know, take that whole little whole, the whole mystique out of what's going to happen next out of it. It's really, really horrible acting. It's really horrible you know, um, characters and script and... The whole point of having a superhero is to see superhero action, and there isn't any. The only person who uses his power the most, I think, is Hiro, Hiro Nakamura. And it's because it's the easiest jump cut special effect to do. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. you got to admit, though, that that is the best superpower of them all. Yeah. Yeah. I bet, yeah, they, they totally screwed up all the different characters. Oh, they, they completely backed it up. I mean, one week you've got the main villain is the villain, and the next week he's the main hero, and it well, just, and, it made And then no one sense. week he just really wants a mommy and some brothers, and he's trying to be really, really good, and then yeah, out of nowhere it, you have Veronica Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah, it, the thing that, is, that amazes me, we don't have Firefly on the air. They're bringing heroes back, and we don't have Firefly. We don't have Jericho. I dare say that any one of our listeners could run a TV network better than these monkeys are doing. There's your challenge, folks. <laughs> yes. Start your TV network and make it better than NBC or CBS or Fox, which can't be hard. Really, you just need, I don't know, what, a few hundred billion dollars to get going. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, achievement unlocked. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. this article we have linked to comes from Geek League of America. And I love, uh, at the bottom of the article, it's like, I'm holding up for a revival of another heroic NBC series, and it's The Cape. <laughs> which was just a horrible, <laughs> horrible show. Uh, they don't have any word yet if anyone's going to be returning for Heroes Reborn. But uh, there's enough of those people who don't have paychecks right now that I bet you they could get a lot of them. 
Do you think they make much money on the convention circuit? Probably not. Or do you think people are just like so pissed off at them? They're like, I know. I don't think there's a lot of rage towards it, but I think enough people were so disappointed enough in the third and fourth seasons or third and third and a half season that uh, they just say, yeah, okay. There. Oh, look, there's the people from Heroes. That's, that's great. <laughs> I'm just going to go over here now. Speaking of really, really silly TV, uh, the people who brought you CSI and CSI Miami and CSI Las Vegas and CSI Boise are bringing us a new <laughs> CSI, and it's for cyber terrorism or cyber criminals. Great. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows how an actual cyber crimes division goes, but it's a lot of people sitting at their computer. It's not a very exciting gig. They don't even talk. They usually Skype back and forth. And they have an instant right, messenger window. Sitting right next to each other, and they're, they're chatting over IM back and forth. Once in a while, they'll... That's they'll, how computer nerds roll. Yeah. Once in a while, they'll pick up a Nerf gun and shoot someone. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know quite what they're thinking here. Uh, they t- talk about they want to get into the, uh, the psychology behind the cyber criminal. <laughs> this one reads comic books in his spare time. This one's bored. <laughs> uh, this one plays a lot of it's wow. It's like a show about us. <laughs> These ones do a podcast in their spare time. <laughs> a lot of drama. <laughs> a lot of drama. Uh, this one has high pressure and diabetes. The doctor's going to take his foot if he has that monster. Uh, I actually found out about this first last night watching Jimmy Fallon's monologue. Because he was, he decided to throw out some, uh, uh, some line, those one-liners that you hear all the time at the beginning of the CSI shows, where with, with the sunglasses. Uh-huh. Like, is this guy got logged out <laughs> permanently? <laughs> and then it just rocks right into the music. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a video up on on YouTube where you can get like ten hours of those intros all looped together. Yeah. You know, it makes me wonder though. Because you look at the way that hacking has been portrayed in Hollywood for years, and hacking is nothing like what Hollywood thinks it is. Is this gonna? Are, are they gonna get it right? Are they gonna be accurate at all with this, or are they just gonna throw crap out there and have people gooey in their my sequel? And <laughs> I think you're right because I I've heard it said that all these. Uh... All these crime scene shows and things like that—they're—they're they're just trying to one up each other on how goofy they can get their um, their hacking or their the, the way their technology works. And so this is just another way to one up all the other shows because that's all it's about. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I don't see this being as quite as popular because, frankly, the people who watch a lot of CSI shows either already know more code than these show creators. Or don't care. There right. is no middle ground. <laughs> this could give us a really bad, like, get, and say us, I mean, like, computer geeks. Uh, it could give us a really bad, like, reputation among people. Because they're all going to think that we can do this stuff. Actually, you know, you say that, but that happened to actual forensic scientists. With all these mm-hmm. CSI shows and um, NCIS and all these different things like that. Actual jury members for criminal cases would be sitting there in court and would be, well, obviously they didn't do it because the forensics team weren't able to find 
you know, security footage and enhance it and enhance it and enhance it and get a video of him actually committing the crime. Because so many people watched these CSI shows that were so blatantly inaccurate and unrealistic that criminals were getting off scot-free because the real-life forensics teams couldn't match up to what they saw on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, if they're going into the cybercrime stuff, that's a dark, dark world. It's just, this is going to have to air at like 9 o'clock at night. They can't <laughs> air this during prime time. <laughs> By dark world, you mean like... Silk Road 2 and Bitcoins and... <laughs> More like 4chan. <laughs> 4chan. <laughs> I, I'm thinking like human trafficking, child pornography. I mean, there's there's so many dark corners of the internet. If they're really going to try and do this show right, it's going to be a horrible show to watch. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise they're just going to have a whole bunch of 14-year-old Korean gold farmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And script kiddies that think they're, they're lead Another actors. 14,000 WoW gold to track down. <laughs> Speaking of WoW Gold, our next headline, we're so good at this. Nice. Um, No, not really. We're pretending. We did this on purpose. Blizzard (laughs) is actually giving you a way to play WoW without playing WoW. Yay. (laughs) If you just give them money, they'll they'll set it up so you don't actually have to play the game. If you you spend $60, they will give you a level 60 character, a level 90 character. Level 90, which is the cap right now. Um, <laughs> For anyone who plays games, you know that this is a problem. <laughs> For many reasons. So, you know, Titanfall's coming out soon. And I could either spend $50 on a new copy of Titanfall, or I could spend $75 for a copy of Titanfall that someone else has already beaten. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. This is how dumb this idea is. This is where you want to go on... You don't want to play the game, but you really want to screw with someone who has. Yeah, this is like just for getting revenge on your on your like orc bullies. <laughs> well, you know what this will do. So there will be a whole bunch of uh, rich little te- rich teenagers or or teenagers with rich parents, I should say, um, that will be running around with a level ninety character that. And they're not going to know what to do with the level 90 character. They're going to go into dungeons or, or they're going to they're going to go into situations that a level 90 character can get into and they're not going to know what to do. They'll be far hold from on. Leroy Jenkins in it. They'll be, <laughs> they'll, they'll be in the middle of an instance. Hold on, guys. Hold on. My YouTube tutorial hasn't shown me what to do here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the thing is, though, is we talked about this a bit before the show started, but in certain games like EVE Online, okay, we uh, Schmidty and I both played EVE. Schmidty still does. And you can buy ships or modules or credits. You're not you supposed to. Yeah, you can buy characters. But the thing is, in EVE, if you take your brand new Navy issue Raven, which is a battleship, it's a very expensive one, right into battle, and you haven't worked up to it and you haven't figured out how to play with that ship... You're going to get have it shot out from under you in a few seconds, and then you're out the money because in Eve you don't get those things back. In WoW and in other MMOs, you do. Yeah, you got killed, and it may have hit your XP a little bit, and you may have had to pay to uh, re- reincarnate with uh, all your same stuff without going back to the graveyard. But all this is going to do is spam the server with a whole bunch of level 90s, and for what? Yeah, I don't know. And it's going to make a lot of people mad because all the people that are trying to work up to level 90 are now 
being bombarded by all these level 90 noobs that are talking down to, to the people that are working at it because, oh, I'm level 90 now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a lot of people mad. Well, yeah, what, that was my what I was just thinking. What is this going to do to all those people who have been grinding warthogs or whatever for 150? Yeah, I know. That sounds so dirty. But... <laughs> What, be careful of those tusks. What's this going to do to them? I mean, they're going to be. If it was me, I would be furious if I had invested thousands of hours into a game, get to the top, and all of a sudden some idiot with a checkbook or a credit card comes by, and he's all of a sudden as good as I am. <laughs> you know that they're they're just learning. Uh, Blizzard is just learning from you know Candy Crush and Clash of Clans. They're they're letting people pay to to advance in the game. They're turning. I see what Schmidt's saying here. They're turning their model of business into a freemium model. Only it's not freemium because you paid in and the first place. You pay to play every month. It's <laughs> a good point. Well, f- free to play to, to level twenty. So and level ninety is not level twenty. So yeah, <laughs> double pay. Good job. Hmm. Good job. I, I, I'll say this: if this works. Blizzard is maniacal at making money. Then, well, it, and if this works, are they going to start having different levels? Like, can, can you buy a level eighty for fifty dollars? Can you buy a level seventy for forty dollars? You know, are they going to have different levels? So, if I want to jump in and immediately be at level twenty, am I out an extra five bucks? Because that might be a better idea than just all level ninety. Yeah, no, I see what well, you're saying. Well, one of their reasons I think that they're doing this, they said that they've got an expansion coming out, and they want people to be able to jump on and play it right away. So they're kind of sell, kind oh. of selling upcoming releases, but still, I don't like this. If if you're not I... if you're not qualified to play the expansion, then get qualified and then play the expansion. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. If the, if the... If the expansion is such that you have to be a level 90 to start, that makes a little more sense. Um, I, I I see a lot of a lot of WoW players uh, that have stopped playing and haven't played for four or five years because the expansions have been you know washed out or there's not any more excitement to it. But if this new expansion can offer a lot more excitement, it might get WoW players that stopped way back in level 50 to rejoin again. And so maybe maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's that, that's a good point, Zoner. So, yep. okay. Um, into mobile news again. This was the week of Mobile World Congress. Thank you. Or Apple. No laws were passed. <laughs> a Congress D- is just a, a group of baboons. That's all it is. <laughs> Which is appropriate. So let's talk um, about so Apple World. Let's, let's, let's stop. <laughs> Let's start talking about all everything that happened in the mobile cell phone world. Like we don't have enough of those headlines. Uh, first off, uh, news from T-Mobile, and this isn't related actually to uh, to Mobile World, but their fourth quarter earnings from 2013 came out, and they are up 4.4 million. No, yeah, 4.4 million yeah. customers. Yeah, that's an impressive amount. Uh, it, it brings them up to 46.7 million customers, and that's huge. That is a huge thing, and a lot of it's being attributed to their very aggressive marketing, uh, their new ability to not have contracts and to be able to upgrade phones more frequently. And now, as was discussed at CES, being able to pay off what you your termination fees from other carriers just to get you to join. However, so, th- so that's a win. I think we can all agree that's a win. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of financial analysts, are, however, are saying that T-Mobile's in worse shape. And here's where I don't understand this. And if someone can explain this to me, please do. Because all of this has cost T-Mobile $20 million. So they are down $20 million from where they were last quarter. I understand that sounds bad, but this $20 million deficit is directly linked to the marketing that was used to get these 4.4 million customers. And those 4.4 million customers are going to get the more money in the long run. On top of that, even though they were down from the previous quarter, they're up by like 39% from the previous year. So they're still making more money than they have. They now have even more customers to continue making more money from. But the financial world is saying that this is a huge loss for T-Mobile. They don't know if they can sustain this. I don't get it. It's like they're really poo-pooing this achievement that T-Mobile's done. Well, if you're going to be losing $20 million you know, repeatedly, of course nobody can sustain that unless you're Nokia and you lose, what, like $20 billion or something per quarter? And then somehow come back, yeah. And, yeah, and then somehow come back. But I would think, and I'm like you, Zook, I don't understand how this is a bad thing for T-Mobile. I know a lot of people who've jumped over to T-Mobile since they've started doing, uh, shake, doing their shake-up of the, of the mobile world. I myself have done it, but I just, I don't understand how if you're adding new customers, when you were hemorrhaging them before, and your revenue is up, how is that bad? Yeah, I this this is less of them losing money and more of this is what the investment cost. And this was this was an investment for them. They invested this money and in return, they got four point four million subscribers. And I think it was a wise investment. It'll pay itself off, just not in the same quarter. So I don't know if someone can explain to us why this is a bad thing, because I think a lot of people are just being fair weather friends slash journalists i'd like to see what happens with their financials in six months or a year and yeah. really kind of get a good idea of what the financial impact of that 20 million dollars that they've invested is i would i think it's safe to say they see at least another 39 percent increase in revenue this time next year possibly yeah uh into other really weird news that came out of this conference nokia came out with three new phones <laughs> they weren't Windows phones. They came out with Android phones. And here's where it gets really screwy. Microsoft knew this and was okay with it. These are now here's where it gets really, really, really funny. Okay. Most, most Android phones are part of Google's open handset Alliance. In that way, these Android devices have access to Google play services and Google servers. The Kindle, for instance, is one that is not, which is why Kindle, even though it runs on its own version of Android, does not have access into Google's Play Store. Play Store, right. What this does, Nokia's phones are not part of the Open Handset Alliance either. Microsoft made a very shrewd decision in thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Android isn't our competitor. Android isn't our enemy. Google is. So these are Android handsets that instead of using Google services, use Microsoft services. You won't find the Google Play Store here. You won't find Google Drive. You'll find SkyDrive, or excuse me, OneDrive now because they don't have SkyDrive anymore. You'll find Outlook 365. You'll have Microsoft Office for Android preloaded on it. And even the launcher itself looks very reminiscent of Windows Phone. Yep. This is brilliant. 
this is really, really smart. And a lot of this is a very big indication of Microsoft shifting from a software company that we've known them for almost their entire you know, time on Earth to a services company. Well, and there's even um, there's even uh, evidence that it's not not a, a pure Android operating system, but that they're they're forking it to into their own version of of Android. So there there's even the possibility of um, not not just a Nokia's Nokia's own operating system, but having more functionality that that uh, Microsoft wants to put in there native to the phone. So. Yeah. I think it's kind of a brilliant. It's kind of diabolical. Now, of course, you have a lot of people in the tech industry saying, ah, see, this is just proof that Windows Phone 8 is a failed experiment. It's going away. Microsoft has no faith in it. Even their own cell phone company is making Android phones. These people are idiots. Even if you don't like Windows Phone, I understand that. I do. And even I'm looking at going back to Android for reasons I won't get into right now. But I love Windows Phone. That being said, there's currently 50 million Windows Phone users out there, and all analysts are pointing to on the horizon there being up to 100 million worldwide. Now, that doesn't make a dent against Android. It does but, com- <laughs> but for comparison, that's more users than worldwide Apple Mac users. Yeah. Microsoft isn't just going to drop that. That's too big for them to drop. It's not a failed experiment, but what this does is it does get more people to buy Nokia phones who are more familiar with a Windows interface, even though they're using Android. Yeah. So it's it's quite diabolical. When wasn't it a couple months ago we were talking about uh, Nokia possibly releasing a phone that could either boot into Windows Phone 8 or Android? And so yeah. th- this is just one more step in that direction. You buy a Nokia phone with, with this version of Android... And, oh, look, you want a little more functionality? Boot into the Windows Phone 8 version. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, into And this is kind of uh, late news here. Last week we talked about WhatsApp being purchased by Facebook for, what was it, $19 billion? Yeah, 16 in cash or something, and then another three oh in gosh, super secret stock surprises. Yeah, stu- stupid amount of money. Well, it turns out that their competitor, Telegram, as soon as news hit the web that they were purchased by Facebook, Telegram immediately got 8 million downloads. <laughs> so if, if Facebook's reason for getting WhatsApp was for the users, like I speculated, it backfired on them. <laughs> yeah, people are evidently really worried about Facebook taking over. Well, you look at the permissions that they request from their um, Android apps. I can't say for the Apple apps because I don't know, but uh, for the Android apps, there's some pretty invasive permissions and if they're i I think people don't trust facebook because of that people don't trust facebook period but especially you know when they want to record your phone calls things like that that's not cool well okay so if you are wondering or thinking that we are over exaggerating facebook's reach into your life you may remember uh, whitney avalon who we um, interviewed like a month or so ago she has this really great why i love the new facebook timeline you should check it out because it's scary. It is super scary and it's 100% accurate. Now imagine her singing that poem to you, but also including all your phone calls and chat messages. <laughs> That's a terrifying prospect. Yeah. Um, into other 
kind of Android kind of news. This actually just came out today. Boeing is releasing its own cell phone. Yes, that Boeing. The people who make planes. Correction, people who make planes for military. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're making a phone. Uh, I want to say it's called, what is it, the Black? Boeing Black? That's racist. I know. Um, however, it is a fully secured cell phone with encrypted storage. Uh, it can take all sorts of different mobile device management. It can be locked down as much as you want. And it has a self-destruct capability built into it. Yeah, The, the phone itself is ep- epoxied together. You can't open it. And if you try to open it, everything inside is toast. Uh, they don't go into details about how, but... Um, I imagine a phone blowing up in your face. That's probably not exactly how it works, but... So just like pray you never have to pull the battery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not the black phone. The, the black phone is one that they uh, they related it to. Um, the black phone was actually displayed in Mobile World Congress that has a similar feature um, in it. So that, there's no news about what the name of this phone is, the Boeing's phone is, or exactly what the specs are, but... I'm I'm looking forward to seeing seeing more about it. So. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, and it's not a BlackBerry. Yay! You just had uh, to bring in BlackBerry. <laughs> just have to twist that knife a little bit. <laughs> Kick them while they're down. Yeah, right there in the teeth. Uh, Google is still on track for Project Aria. Now, let's go back a little bit. Uh, I want to say like six months ago or so, we had uh, the phone blocks that uh, modular phone framework that was uh, suggested by designer Dave Harkins. Hawkins. Uh, Ruff actually suggested it as a favorite uh, when he was talking about different things to add to the show. And it's this really ingenious idea where you can build up a phone based on little modules. Just put which modules you want into it and make your own phone. Well, Motorola took up on that idea. They really liked it. They wanted to join up with it. Motorola got sold to Lenovo, but Google held on to this. The they project, kept Project Ara. Yeah. Aria. Aura. Did they rename it? No, it's always been Aura. Oh, I've just always been mispronouncing it. <laughs> I do that to a lot of women's names. We should just call it Project Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I've been following it for a while. They, they released uh, um, an open source project, project management style thing uh, called DScout. And I've been, I've been on that for a while. It's a, it's a mobile app. allows you and I to, to go on and, and put your own ideas in for it. And it's been, it's been growing fast and rapidly. I, I just used the same word twice. <laughs> no, it was different words, but they were synonyms. So you may as well have used the same I really want you to know that it's growing fast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they hope to have a phone out by 2015 and have it for as low as $50. Now, that would just be the base phone, but you could go in and just put whatever modules you wanted in on top of that then. And that's... That's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, and they're they're, they're thinking that the base phone isn't going to have any uh, ability to make phone calls, but that's where the modules come in. (laughs) Therefore, it's not a phone. That's where the modules modules come in. You buy um, a GSM module for for Verizon, or you buy another you buy the module based on the uh, isn't Verizon WCDMA. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but but see, that's the point: is you you're able to to choose which carrier you go with. You go with. you're no longer tied to the carrier based on what phone you get. So, bo- bonus there, I guess. That is quite cool. Did you Did you guys ever watch Seinfeld? No. There was an episode where he goes in to buy a car, 
and the guy starts charging him. The salesman starts charging Seinfeld all these fees, and one of the fees was for car keys. Seinfeld looks at him and says, car keys? The response was, how you drive at home. That's what I just thought of as Schmitty was talking about. You need to have the phone module so that you can use the phone in your phone. Now let's uh, talk about warranty because these things will rust right up on you. They yeah, will. You got to get the point. rust proofing. You bring up a Got to get the rust proofing. People are going to jump at this because it's $50 for a phone, but oh yeah, now I need the, the, the phone module, which is another 30 bucks. Oh, now you, you need a battery, of course, so that's another 50 bucks. Oh yeah, you need storage so you can install apps or, or run the operating system. That's another 40 bucks. It's going to add up pretty quickly, but. It's going to be the hobbyist. How are you going to dial? I love how on the pictures, all pictures of it, it makes it look like Ziggy from Quantum Leap. Oh, I, that's one thing I would want. I'd want it to look exactly like Ziggy. <laughs> uh, well, that's better than Ziggy from the comic strip. Yeah, I wouldn't want to hold him against my face. Uh, <laughs> let's do a quick rundown of what else we saw. Uh, we had launches from Samsung. They announced the Galaxy S5, which we knew they would. Waterproof. Or water well, resistant. Well, water sorry. resistant. Water resistant. Yeah. Water and dust resistant, uh, so it can get wet and you'll be fine. Uh, it has a built-in heartbeat sensor, which to me is something that they've missed the mark on. Why the crap do I want that on a phone? I would actually love that if it would work. But to get the most accurate reading, don't you kind of need something like around your heart? No, you can get huh? it from the fingertip. Uh, you can, but you know, if you're going to have, I would a, use cause... if you're going to have a constant reading, you need constant connection. Well, no, you're you're not going to need a constant reading. This is for after you've done a run, you want to check your heart rate, or or during a run, you want to make sure you're not above, uh, you know, the heart rate that will kill you. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't so, happen to me. You're not. Is it, the heart rate is not something you always want to be monitoring, so it makes sense to me. Yeah, it has uh, the new Snapdragon 801 processor. It has quite a bit of storage. It's the reason it sounds like I'm not getting into a whole lot of detail on it is because it's a Galaxy S device. It doesn't look like one. They they did change the way it looked slightly, um, but it is a good upgrade from the Galaxy S4 and from the S3 before that. It's, it is an incremental upgrade. Uh, big new features are the heartbeat sensor and the water resistance and dust resistance. I think that the heartbeat sensor is a stupid addition because then they announced the Gear 2 and the Gear Fit. And those are their smartwatch devices, which I was actually subtly surprised about. I really thought those were well-designed, looked really, really cool. Um, this smartwatch version, uh, the previous version of the Gear had a webcam, or sorry, a just a digital camera in the band. This one is actually in the housing and you can swap housings on the fit, which was really cool. Schmidt and I were talking about how nice that was. Um, the fit also is meant more for workouts, has onboard storage and has a standalone function as an MP3 player and heart rate monitor. So you don't need your phone with you to be able to use that while at the gym. Mm -hmm. And I think things like that, it makes a lot more sense to have a heartbeat sensor on. I think it's redundant. If you have a galaxy S five, and a gear fit to have a heartbeat sensor on both. Yeah. Obviously, if you're going to have the phone and, and the gear, it's redundant. But for the people who don't want to buy the gear, they have a heartbeat sensor. They have a way to do that. So uh, I, I am personally saying that this is a missed opportunity from Samsung. I would have preferred much, I would have much preferred to them to have a Lytro camera on there instead. Lytro would be cool. <laughs> Um, be a while before we see Lytro on phones, though. I will say this. I'd like one with a taser. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I am so sick and tired of watching companies announce new phones, and the 
biggest thing they go on about for like five or ten minutes are the colors. Or the I heard or the background I, screen that they chose. We chose this background because it shows how it's like I don't I care. <laughs> I will change it. I don't like it. The colors are the most important thing though, Zook. Don't you You'll know? You'll notice that? the back. The back is this really mesmerizing blue. I'm like, I am not mesmerized. I'm not mesmerized in the slightest. Had to be there. <laughs> it's going in a Batman case, I'll never see it. It's like this is not a feature. Um, also announced was LG's G Pro 2 and G2 Mini. Wow. Uh, the G Pro 2 uh, has a Snapdragon 800 processor. Schmidt and I went back and forth a lot on that, but it turns out it is an 800. Um, it has huge storage. It has a 6-inch screen, or 5.9-inch screen, excuse me. <laughs> but it also has an SD card slot on top of that huge amount of storage, which is pretty cool. Uh, it doesn't have the battery capability of the G2 because the G2 has an encapsulated curved battery, and this one has a removable one, which I actually kind of like. Um, but then the G2 Mini uh, is basically a powered-down version. It uses a different CPU, a <laughs> slower version. How big is the Mini? It's <laughs> <laughs> like a normal size. Still bigger than an iPhone. It's a, I think it was 4.7 inches. It's some, it's, yeah. It's not Mini. <laughs> My wife has a G2. She loves her G2, and it's not a small screen. Compared to the G Flex and the G Pro 2, it's small, but it's still not a small screen. I will say this, though, and I know we're running out of time. I think that LG is the new Android manufacturer to beat. I, th- You know, for a while there, it was HTC versus Samsung. HTC seems to have stalled out. They seem to have played their last card, and they're really hemorrhaging right now, especially after all that infighting happened and their VP got taken away in cuffs. Yeah. A few of them did. Uh, I think LG is coming up the ranks now and are gunning for top position. Yeah. Whether or not they can do it, I don't know. I don't know. They did a pretty impressive job with my Nexus 5. Yeah. Yeah, they they did. Uh, next up was the Sony announcement, and there was a bunch of devices there, but the real big one is the Xperia Z2. It's really big because it's actually very small. It's very, very, very thin, and it is waterproof. Not resistant. It's waterproof. It'll survive a toilet dunking. It is actually surprisingly attractive, too. It's a really nice phone. Whether or not it's able to uh, um, go into quite the same specs as everyone else, we don't know. They have a new triluminous screen, and no one is really sure what that means, and no one's been able to have a real hands-on time from it to see if it's going to live up to the hype. Why this is important is because the Xperia Z1 had one of the worst screens <laughs> of its generation of Android phone. So people don't know if Sony's learned their lesson or not. Yeah, there, there's been time that the triluminous screen might might help in uh, daylight, view, viewing it in the daylight, like direct sunlight. But uh, that's speculation. So, yeah. Other things from uh, from Mobile World we can all run over at once because there really wasn't much else. Uh, eMMCs have uh, increased in speed, making them much better for phone storage. Yeah, didn't think you'd be interested. SanDisk has announced a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. You won't be able to afford one for at least a year. Uh, Microsoft came in and basically announced nothing. That was lackluster uh there's a new 80211 ad which is a y gig that's multi-gigabit wireless lan however it only has a range of 10 meters in an open room we'll never see it in consumer market (laughs) yeah so i mean there's a lot of stuff that came out that we will never see but these were the real highlights for the consumer electronics all right uh we had some favorites but we've been running over on time that was a really busy week actually yeah 
pretty fun week. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll keep them in the show notes so you guys can browse them on your own. We do have some pretty good ones, including a very long rabbit hole to go down from Reddit. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to our friends again, uh, our sponsors at the beginning of the show. If, again, feedback at StolenDroids.com. We want to hear what you're thinking. Until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production. <laughs>